Hey everybody, J.D. Sumner here with another episode of Christianity in Action, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Albany, Georgia. And today we're starting out with our first podcast of 2021. Here, a sermon from Joshua Bauer on leading like Jesus and what that looks like. Um, imagine yourself as the parent of a 12-year-old Jesus. Uh, dealing with a teenager is never fun, but imagine adding the fact that the teenager is the Lord of all the universe on top of all the normal teenage angst. And you can see what Mary had to deal with here as we look in the book of Luke. So uh, without further ado, here's Joshua Bauer's sermon, uh, Leading Like Jesus. So before I begin this reading, I'm going to ask a request of somebody who's here in the congregation. And you'll see why in just a second. Cade Bauer, turn your tablet off. That's right. And come up here. He thinks he's in trouble, but he's not. This is the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, verses 41 through 52. Every year, Jesus' parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, you can sit down. When he was 12 years old, they went up to the temple according to the custom of the Passover festival. After those days were over, as they were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents didn't know it. Assuming he was in the traveling party, they went a day's journey. Then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem and searched for him. After three days, they found him in the temple sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all those who heard him were astounded at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. Why were you searching for me? He asked them. Didn't you know that it was necessary for me to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he said to them. Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them. His mother kept all these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. And all God's people said, Amen. So I need to be honest as, a, as I start this meditation this morning. And I did, I forgot to mention, we also have communion this morning, um, which is a huge part of this service um, on top of the ordination installation. So have some bread and juice ready to celebrate communion with us. Um, I've struggled with this story this week. I, I really, truly have. I had a whole sermon outline ready to go, I had, it, had it ready to roll, and, and it's just... You know those times in work where you just keep coming back to that project? It just doesn't sit right with you. You, you, you just keep asking questions. You wake up in the middle of the night, or for me, 4 o'clock this morning, just thinking about, you know, what's going on in the world? We, we just had 2020. Happy New Year. I don't know about, about you, but uh, we spent it at home. Uh, Happy New Year. We rang in the New Year at 10.42 p.m. We found a video from 2019, uh, counted it down. <laughs> 
Uh, our children were not amused because then they had to go to bed. But uh, we rang in 2021 with all these hopes, didn't we? Um, and people, all the, the, the memes were all over Facebook and social media. Good riddance to, to 2020. Uh, you know, slamming the door on the old year. New times ahead. All the anxiety, all that great stuff. Well, man, 2021 didn't get the memo, did it? About, about carrying over nothing from 2020. So we're here on the first Sunday of 2021, online only, because of another spike in the coronavirus. And this morning, I checked the news like I do every morning and saw that last night we had a, a press conference with Republican members of, of Congress, uh, Senate, 11 senators who are continuing this uh, movement to invalidate the election results or to resist it coming up on January 6th. And so the beginning of 2021 to me feels a whole lot like the end of 2020, doesn't it? Same issues, same uncertainties, same angers, same frustrations, same fears, same everything. And my struggle is that this story, which is a beautiful story, but we're taught as preachers to say, what is the good news in this story? You know, what does this proclaim into the world as, as we know it for us, to give us hope, to give us joy, to give us peace? Um, what is the good news? What's the gospel proclamation in this story? And I'll be honest, for the moment that we're in, I, I've struggled to draw one out, to say, here is the good news. Because it's just not a story that's tailored that way. The other reason that I've struggled with this is this. Come on. Yeah. He's 12 years old. <laughs> He's the same age as Jesus. Being a parent of a child who's 12 and reading about Jesus at this age changes the perspective of the story a little bit, changes the way I read it. Um, and makes me wonder, what does the 12-year-old Jesus have to teach us? Because usually we just came off the Christmas season, little baby Jesus, right? And I love at home to point out our baby pictures, and yeah, it's okay, I'm, he's, he's, to point out baby pictures and the precious little baby with the cute little toes, and we, we blow raspberries on the baby's belly. That's Jesus, right? Little baby Jesus in the manger. Safe, cuddly, gentle. But then we have, and it's going to be coming just in the next couple of weeks, full-grown Jesus. You know, and in the conception, he's got the beard. He's, he's a full-grown adult. He's 30 years old. I'm heading out into the ministry world. And this in-between is not a time we usually think of what are the deep lessons we can learn from Jesus the tween. You can go back and sit, but don't turn your tablet back on. All right. Jesus the tween. Jesus, when he was in the same time period as my son, is time period I know you've all been through, where we start to push back a little bit, where we start to question authority, where, where he's not yet this full authority figure, where he's still growing and learning um, and, and developing, and where his parents certainly are. Now, what does that have to teach us? And, and I don't know, I don't have for you this morning, the good news is, here's your source of hope, but I do have two words from this story this morning or that I draw from this story, that I think if we dwell on, 2020 can be different, 2021 rather, can be different for us than 2020 is. Two words that I think we need, and I know our world needs, 
as we enter a new year together. And the two words come from, from two characters in this story. Mary and Jesus himself, the 12-year-old Jesus. I'm sad that Joseph isn't, he, he's, he's there, but then he's kind of not. This is where Joseph is phased out of the gospel story. Um, and so Mary is, is the main parent here. And when you read this, this story, if you're a parent or a grandparent or a teacher or whatever, you can imagine just that ultimate fear. You, you feel it as you go through. You, you kind of stick there. I think if you're a parent, you read the story, you hear the story. You know um, what, what, what Jesus' parents were feeling there, that, that ultimate gripping, oh my gosh, where is he? You may have even thought, how could they? <laughs> what kind of awful parents can go a day's journey and not know where their 12-year-old son is? Right? 12-year-olds, they're, they're being 12-year-olds. You would see this, wouldn't you? Well, remember, they're coming from Nazareth in Galilee. Long journey to, to Jerusalem for this festival, coming with relatives and friends. It was a whole town affair. So, so think of the whole town going into Jerusalem, everybody praying together. They're not bad parents. They're very good parents. But what happens is they get a day's journey out, and when they go to bed at night realize their son isn't there because he doesn't come home like all the other kids do. And so you know that feeling they're feeling, that frantic, I mean, this is a trauma that they'll remember for the rest of their lives. We know this because, remember where Luke got this story? Probably. Would one of the four people in the congregation like to say? Mary. From Mary! Right? Mary was his source. We know that this is a trauma she remembered for the rest of her life because she's the one who told Luke about it. Um, she remembered all the details. She remembered what it was like to be totally filled with fear that her child was lost in this huge city of Jerusalem. But parents, you also know that feeling when she found him. Because now that she knew he was safe, he was in trouble. You know that's right. Yes. <laughs> Now that you know your child is safe, then their head is on the chopping block, right? What is the problem? What did you do? Why did you do this? And it's all about Mary at that point, isn't it? Right? She's not worried about Jesus anymore. She says, why did you do this to your father and I? Don't you know we've been searching anxiously for you? And the first word comes in Mary's response, because Jesus here? Now, he's not dumb. So Jesus, the 12-year-old, doesn't say, why were you searching? That's a rhetorical question. Why were you searching for me? He's not, he's way ahead of his years, um, in 12 years. And so he asks this rhetorical question, but he does have a little 12-year-old in him, doesn't he? A little bit of sarcasm, a little bit of throwing it back at mom, um, and goes right back and, and, and says, she says, why did you do this to your father and I? And Jesus says, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? And of course, he's not talking about Joseph. He's talking about his heavenly father. Jesus, at 12 years old, is starting to realize who he is. He knows. Son of God. Messiah. He's developing it. In this dynamic in the temple, he's the teacher. In Jewish rabbinical tradition, the one who asked the question was the teacher. He's teaching the teachers in the temple at 12 years old. He knows who he is. He's growing into this role. He's about to take on this public ministry. And he, in so many ways, calls his mom down. Says to his parents, you're my parents, but you're not. There's a higher call. There's a bigger thing going on here. And the first word comes from Mary's response. 
She had no idea what he meant. Which I love because it's so human. How many times have we had these beautiful, beautiful spiritual experiences and we go up on the mountaintop and a week later we're responding to life the same way we did before we had the beautiful spiritual experience? So here is this amazing woman of faith who's been visited by Gabriel, who's had shepherds show up the night that her son was born and say that they'd been visited by angel choirs, um, who then was visited by magi when the baby was was small, who presented gifts and, and visited, had all these experiences, but it's been 12 years. And so she's perplexed at what Jesus could mean by this, but what is her response? What does she do with this new information and this challenge by her 12-year-old son who now knows that he's the Son of God and the Messiah? It says, his mother kept all these things in her heart. The word kept doesn't mean just held there. The Greek word means it's kind of a rolling over. She, she, she kept rolling over what it could mean. She was thoughtful about it. And that's the first word that I think of that, that we really need in this world right now that Mary gives to us is thoughtful. She had one of the most brutal traumas of her entire life Uh, rivaled maybe only by the next time we're going to hear people looking for Jesus for three days in the Gospels. Um, His execution. And she took this trauma, this craziness in her life, and she just pondered it. She was thoughtful about it. She thought it through. What does it mean? Putting it through the lens of faith, working it over and over and over. Could we not use a little more thoughtfulness in our world right now? (laughs) A little less rushing to a conclusion, a a little more stopping to think? You know, asking if something's true before we jump on it? Could we not use a little more of that in our politics? In our personal relationships? Just stopping to think. And the second word comes from Jesus. Jesus who we just said, knows now that he's the Son of God. He knows that he's the Messiah. And I shake in my pastor's boots when I think of my 12-year-old son if he realized he was the Son of God and the Lord of the universe. Don't you? (laughs) Wow! Would that not be a terrifying prospect? Because, Cade Bauer, what would you do if you had the power of the universe at your fingertips? We don't even want to answer the question, do we? Yeah. He'd probably win every video game. I mean, that's the starting point, right? That's the the mind frame. What does Jesus do? Who's grown in stature, who knows who he is, who's teaching other teachers in the temple, and Jesus takes all this power, and what does he do? Then he went down with them and came to Nazareth and was obedient to them to these misunderstanding parents who were totally confused, who had no idea what was going on, who were just trying to do the best for their son and for their other children and for their community and live out their faith. And Jesus, who now is starting to realize that he is the one to save Israel and the entire world, is obedient to them. And so the second word that comes to my mind this morning is humble. Humble. 
And this isn't just the thing that Jesus did when he was 12. This is a main theme of his entire life and his entire teaching. Right? Remember what he said? The one who would be first must be last. Last of all and servant of all. Remember that? Remember what Paul said about him in Philippians? said that Jesus didn't take equality with God as something to be used to his own advantage, but he poured himself out, taking the form of a human, even undergoing the shame of the cross, of, of crucifixion. Humble. That Jesus took the humble posture. And originally I started thinking about these themes because we're doing ordination today. We're ordaining leaders in the church. And the whole basis for leadership in the church is that right there, humility. We drilled into the three that you're going to hear answer these ordination questions uh, over and over again. They could come up one at a time and answer the question. We have in our Presbyterian Book of Order this phrase. It says, you are not to seek the will of the people, but together to seek the will of Christ for the church. The whole point of having leaders in the church is to be humble. To seek together, not our own glory, not our own power, not even our own church's prestige, but to seek one thing and one thing only, and that is the will of Jesus Christ. Now put those two things together and just let yourself dream a little bit. Thoughtful and humble. Could you imagine how things would be different? Think through the things that you experienced in 2020. The problems, the arguments, the family disputes, even the big national things, the politics, the political arguments and discussions, um, everything that's going on now, what you're going to see over the next week happening in our country, protests and riots and everything else, and now put those through what it would look like if everybody who claimed Jesus Christ as Savior was committed to being thoughtful and being humble to being seekers after Christ's truth and Christ's truth alone, and seeing, uh, looking to have Jesus elevated, not ourselves. Man, what would this world look like? What would this church look like? What would your life look like in your relationships if this year you committed yourself to those two words? Thoughtful and humble. Seeking the will of Jesus Christ. And that's going into 2021. Uh, every year, beginning of every year, my family was always in church. We always were. Uh, it's one of the reasons I'm kind of sad we, we can't all be together um, on New Year's. And I, I remember my dad when I was my son's age, when I started getting restless. And what's the time in the service when you're the most restless and you're a kid? The sermon. You know, it's super boring. <laughs> There's a reason my son was on his tablet. And I remember when I would get fidgety and when I was clearly wandering and looking all around and when I wasn't paying attention, my dad, whose hands are like this big, they're huge, um, and they're really hard from years of manual labor, I remember my dad would just gently put his hand on the back of my neck in those New Year's services, which was two things. One, it was, dude, listen, pay attention, <laughs> be thoughtful here. You're here for a reason and a purpose. But it was also a reminder, it was never harsh, it was never, you never squeezed. 
It's a reminder of his love and the comfort that came from that. I feel like we're getting the same message from our God at the beginning of this year. Come on, guys. (laughs) I'm here. You're mine. Let's think this thing through together. Let's be humble. Remember, I'm the God who died for you. This is Jesus. What would our world look like if we just did that? Amen. So that was Reverend Joshua Bauer telling us to be a little more humble and thoughtful in our actions with each other as we go out into this new year, 2021. And I'm J.D. Sumner, and this has been Christianity in Action, a podcast of First Presbyterian Church of Albany, Georgia.